You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. I want you to know that you right now are listening to not only the Smith family Christmas game champion, but the decidedly team's Christmas game champion. Over the past few weeks, we've had a lot of Christmas games. We've played uh, charades and Pictionary and uh, that fishbowl game where you draw names out of a hat and have to act them out and say one word, whatever, whatever. We played a lot of games. We've played chess. We've played Catan. We've played charades. We've done it all. I'm winning them all, okay? I'm the champion. I think I lost one game. I think I did lose once. But overall, my record is its pretty good, okay? It, it's its incredible. I'm going to say it right now. Friends, family, cousins, coworkers, they're jealous. They're get, they're, I'm getting a little bit of hate, you know? I'm getting a little bit of that, you know, excuse-making from others. Tom Brady only won seven rings because his defense was good. Stuff like that. Like at some point, when I win so much, you got to just say, "Hey, maybe, maybe the guy's got it. Maybe he's got the skills. Maybe he's just the best at charades. Maybe he's the best at Pictionary." Oh well, he had a good team. Maybe, maybe I carried the team. And so I just want to let you know that if if you're struggling this Christmas. If you're losing the family games, we're going to be creating a community where I'm going to coach you, all right? This is a free service. I'm not pitching you anything. I'm going to teach you how to win at charades. I'm going to teach you how to win at Catan. I'm going to teach you how to win at Pictionary. I'm going to teach you how to win at the weird fishbowl salad bowl game, all right? And we're going to get some some cornhole lessons in there soon. We're working on the cornhole program. The other ones are already ready. So if you want to be a champion... Holla at your boy in every other area of life if you want to be a champion. Our guest today is the expert. He was introduced by David Waldy, who is back on episode 86. Kurt Tucker is an entrepreneur with deep roots in the fitness industry, and he's on a mission to empower men in their faith, family, finances, and fitness. He's the co-founder of Gym Growth Experts and Champions Builders, Champion Builders Academy. Wall Street Journal bestselling author and engaging speaker, Kurt brings a decades of experience in coaching, all inspired by his journey from adversity to triumph. He's made the leap from addiction, bankruptcy, and a troubled marriage to a life dedicated to helping men in leadership live abundantly. Stick around, listen to some words of wisdom from our champion, Kurt, and get on the path to winning at your life. I'm Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly. Hey Kurt, thanks for being here. Man, it's a it's an honor, brother. Glad to glad to join you, man, today. Yeah, we met through David Waldy. I don't know if you're internet friends with David like we are, um, but he connected us, and I'm happy he did because I'm glad to have you. Yeah, no, David's a great guy, man. Has a great purpose, and uh, yeah, he's a he's a good dude. Yeah, nobody's smile actually makes me excited like David's. And David gives me the, you know, when he's smiling, you're like, okay, all right, I feel good. <laughs> I know he's he's got a great energy, man. I am I'm very big about energy, right? And you know, just anytime you talk to him or you see his stuff, you can just feel his his energy. So I, I love that about him. Yeah, one hundred percent. You've got a you've got a powerful energy about you too. The champion life um, playbook and. Yeah. I, it resonates with me, you know. I I grew up being taught both implicitly and explicitly that you have to be the best at everything. And so when I was younger, my dad would, um, I'd go to like a soccer game, right? Get done with the game. Maybe my dad didn't go to the game. He was at work. Sanger, did you win? Oh yeah, we won the game. Uh, go to practice. 
Hey, uh, what'd you do today? Oh, I had soccer practice. Did you win? Well, you can't really win practice, Dad. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can. Did you win practice? Uh, well, we had a, I had tryouts for a play. Did you win? Everything was, did you win? And he's really motivated by, you know, being number one. So I carry that in in everything that I do still to this day. And it doesn't mean winning and, and beating the losers necessarily. Sometimes it just means say, being the best that you can be. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great measure, right? You know, to shoot for is it really, that's the only thing that, that we have control over, right? Is if uh, we're giving our very best, because sometimes the outcome, especially in sports, you know, in that vernacular, you know, you, you may, you may, I think John Wooden said it right, you know, where he didn't measure his athletes, you know, based upon whether they won or lost because they could have won by 30 points but they played yeah. a team that was nowhere near the caliber, right? So they they didn't really have to play up to their, you know, potential, right? You know, so I think it's that's a great way every day that we can look at our life and, you know, when we lay our head on the pillow and say, did, did I give my very best today to, to, my, to my wife, to my kids, to my business? And no matter the outcome, you might have had a horrible day, but if you gave your best, it's like, hey, I can go to sleep in peace tonight, right? So, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I love your book, man. Um, you have a really compelling story about meeting your wife, the early days of your marriage, and you weren't always the guy that you are now. You weren't always living the champion life playbook, um, and, and you weren't always devoted to Christ. So tell me, what was life like? What were those key moments that took you from the old Kurt to the guy that people know today? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing was this, was that once I got to the point where I was just kind of realizing, like, I'm just not liking who I am, right? You know, as a person, I'm not liking the outcome that my life has given me. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're struggling financially. You know, I am at this point where uh, I am everything that I said I didn't want to be, but that who my dad was, right? So growing up in that type of an environment, dad in and out of prison, mom did her best, came from a very kind of abusive, you know, family with abuse and alcohol and dysfunction and all those things. And I'm like, that's not who I'm going to be, right? But literally in my early years of our marriage and in our 20s, uh, I mean, think my wife, wife, Rachel and I, we met in a bar. So you've got two broken people looking for love in all the wrong places um, and a lot of fatherlessness, you know, a lot of dysfunction coming together. And so the, for the first couple of years, it was just a lot of that, you know, sex addiction, drugs, alcohol, uh, you know, ended up bankrupting my family, you know, house foreclosed, cars repossessed, on food stamps. And the one thing that kind of got me through that season, because it was kind of happening as all this stuff was happening, was I'm like, I need help. I think that is the first and most important step that I think I could share with anybody who's listening to this, whether you're, you know, an entrepreneur and you're trying to build a business, you've got a, a family or whatever. It's like, it's okay to ask for help, right? Like it's sometimes I think as men, it's like, we got to figure this out and I can't be weak and I can't let somebody know that I don't have it all figured out. And I've got maybe these problems that are kind of in the secret, if you will, kind of, you know, we can hide a lot behind our own four doors. Right. But the reality was, is I was struggling in so much. And so the one thing that I saw consistently as I started reading books and trying to grow in my own personal development, um, was that there were some people that, um, they were doing life and they were talking about how faith was their foundation. And I was like, hmm, maybe there's something to that. And that kind of, you know, led me uh, to want to dive in. And also my wife, Rachel, set an incredible example. I mean, she really went all in first. So, you know, she was kind of that first person that began to start saying, hey, you know what, I'm just going to fix me and, you know, and, and, I'm going to, you know, worry about more about myself, you know, like that was her motto was I'm going to fix me and pray for you type of deal. And through that process, uh, you know, I began to start growing in my faith. And then like I talk about in my book is uh, my baseball coach from when I was 13 or 14 years old as an athlete just happened to be a pastor at a, at a local church. And so I said, well, you know what, why don't we go ahead and give this church a try? And, 
you know, man. And and when I went in, I kind of went, you know, all in. Now, just because I went all in, Sanger, doesn't mean everything changed right away, right? I mean, it was literally a process because there was a lot of seeds that I had sown that were reaping a harvest that I didn't necessarily want. So I had to get through that. Um, but what uh, was yeah, that man, like it, to make the, the when you say you went all in, was that was that an active decision? If it wasn't represented in in um, necessarily in actions right away, what well, what did it mean to go all in at that time? Yeah, I, I think it was to just you know, especially um, in 2010, um, I had made a decision to when I say go all in, especially like go all in. That just meant like I had to get rid of everything. Like for me, that that meant like I had to quit smoking weed. And if I was going to quit smoking weed, that meant that I had to quit drinking too, right? Because I didn't want, you know, drinking at that point to be a band-aid to say, oh, I'm going to stop this, but I'm going to keep doing this, right? That meant that I yeah. had to get a coach. Like I had to resource up and hire somebody that could help me, um, you know, go next level. That means I was committed to going to church and going to Bible study. And like literally just every hour of my day had to be, you know, literally planned out so that I could you know, stay focused on the most important things, you know, in my life. Right. So it was really like, for me, I have a, a, a very uh, addictive personality and I think there can be bad addictions. Uh, but now, you know, there can also be good addictions, right? Like I, I would consider myself addicted to fitness. Like that's my background. Yeah. I've owned and operated gyms and I own a consulting company where I work with gyms all across the country. Um, but for me, when people ask me like, Kurt, uh, how, how many days a week do you work out? And I'm like, every day. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, well, they're like, why? And I'm like, because I need it. Like for me, that is, you know, the one thing that each and every day while I'm working out, I'm able to not only get my body right, but I'm able to get my mind right, my spirit right. And uh, so that's become a good addiction, you know, if you will. So, so all in yeah. is just like, look, you got to burn the boats and be like, not only am I all in as, as, as my faith in Christ, I'm also all in in my marriage, right? You know, because at that time in those early years where you're going through a lot of struggle, um, you know, there's always that one foot in, one foot out. I see this a lot in marriages as I coach marriages. It's like, hey, man, what do you really want? Because you have to make a decision that you're all in on this. Because if you if you leave yourself just a little, you know, like, ah, if it doesn't work, if this, I'm out, it's like you're always going to be finding that, right? Versus just being burned the boats, I'm all in. We're going to make this work. And you tend to find solutions better that are going to serve you when you are all in. Did you grow up with any church background? None. I mean, maybe going, you know, here and there uh, because I went like a church, uh, you know, hangout, you know, with like, you know, kids who were, you know, maybe friends of mine or in my grade or maybe once or twice a year, you know, with you know, for Christmas or something like that. But yeah. no, it Go, wasn't. growing up in this country, it's like, it's hard to have zero exposure. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. It's kind of hard to have zero exposure, but not everyone was going to Sunday school every week. Sure. What was that like when you said, okay, I'm going to go, I don't necessarily know what, what this is all about. What was your gut instinct? Yeah. I, I think I was just so broken, man. I was just so I was so tired of of just not having peace, man. Like and I didn't even know what peace was, right? You know, before I said yes to Jesus. I I didn't understand, you know, like sometimes when when I talk faith with people or I lead a, a leadership Bible study on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. at my church and sometimes, you know, when when we talk about, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit and and like people like, I don't understand what that is. Or we talk about the fruit of the spirit and, and it's like, so I was missing, you know, that, that key component of peace. For me, there's so many different goals that we might have, whether you're in business and you want to make more money or, or whatever. And I'm like, man, peace is like really high there up there for me. Right. Um, so I think it was just one of those things where I just, I knew something was missing. That's, that's really, if I had to break it down, you know, it's, I just knew something was missing and I knew that there were some people that I began to start following and seeing and uh, that had lives that I kind of wanted. And this was the thing that was a common thread between these men was that 
You know, they 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 went to church, they professed their faith. Yeah. You know, those types of those types of things. So you go all in, you you find the church that your old baseball coach is at, which is, I'm imagining that helped you break down a lot of walls. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> for for a lot of men um choosing to go to church, you know, there's a lot of biases. It feels weird. It feels like we don't belong. Um, especially if you're broken and you, you're looking for for help, like, oh, I'm gonna go to this group where it seems like everybody's got it figured out. They're gonna know, they're gonna know I don't belong. Um, and I hear that a lot from guys who come to the come to the faith later in life. Like they're gonna see it on me. Um, but having that connection to your old coach, I'm sure made it so much easier. Um you you wrote in the book about being in the church for a while before admitting to your pastor, hey, my wife and I are struggling with with uh, marijuana. We need some help. How did that go? Man, you know, when I talk about grace, uh, that is, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind first. You know, that was a very difficult email to write, uh, you know, because at that point, Sanger, I was leading a men's fitness ministry. And I think this is a great point for the listeners that, and I know a lot of your audience is entrepreneurs and, you know, and, and maybe, you know, men and women, but um, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to church at this point. Right. You know, I mean, we're leaders in the church now, like we're serving and I, you know, I own a fitness business called faith driven fitness <laughs> and, and I'm showing up every Sunday, you know, this is probably a couple years and, and my heart is for Jesus, but I've still got some stuff that people don't know about. And so I guess if you're listening to this podcast right now, that's the first thing that I just want to share with you is, man, God's grace is so real. And that, you know, you may be working through some things right now and really giving a great effort, but still struggling with some things. And what's really cool is that he just loves you right where you're at. And so, you know, for me, I just knew there was that one thing that I needed to let go of that my spirit, you know, kept telling me like, man, if you could just let go of this, I've got a new level that I want to take you. And so... That morning, man, March 15th, 2010, my wife's birthday, um, you know, I just woke oh, up. not on her birthday, man. Her, her, her <laughs> birthday, man. Um, you know, I made that decision to send that email, man, at 524 a.m. I've literally got it in my journal, uh, you know, where I made that decision and, and wrote down how I was feeling that morning. I've, I've journaled almost every day for the last 13 years. See behind me, you know, on camera, I've got about 40 journals. Uh, behind me over this, this, the last 13 years has been a discipline that I've created in my life. And um, so when I wrote that email, I was like, man, I don't know, how's he going to take this? I'm leading a, a men's fitness ministry in my church where about 30 guys every Sunday are coming. And he had just invited me to be a part of this really select group at his house. I mean, we're talking a mega church with over 3000 people, you know, I mean, you know, th this was a pretty big deal. And uh, man, you know, his his response was just full of grace. His response was like any good coach, any good pastor was, hey, listen, you know, we're going to get you the help you need, right? Like, and by the way, I'm going to be here with you every step of the way. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to believe in you too. You can believe in yourself that you don't need this anymore in your life because that's what I find sometimes is that there's certain things that we think because we have just, you know, we've created this belief system that we can't live without it whatever that is, if it's a drug, if it's pornography, if it's even a certain amount of money, right? You know, where, you know, it's like, man, I, I can't be fulfilled, you know, and, and feel gratitude unless I make this certain amount of money. Like those are all lies, you know, that when we have a foundation of, of in my opinion, faith, because everything starts there, then we can build this life that is fulfillment. So, uh, so yeah, man, it was, it was, it was definitely a great story of grace that now throughout my life, uh, I can't help but give people grace. I can't help but want to love people and have this attitude sometimes to, to my own fault, because I think there is a, such thing as enabling people and being codependent. Right. Um, but I just have that attitude, man. Like, man, I'm, I'm not going to give up on this person. Like, I just believe that anybody can change, especially when they have, you know, a commitment to Christ and they're willing to, they're willing to do the work. Cause no matter what you got, you got to put in the work. What do you think the, Key differences between enabling and showing grace. 
I think uh, I think the difference is is you know it, from a coaching standpoint for me, it's uh you know you you have to help people um, do the work and you know when they do the work you give them you know uh, it's kind of like truth and grace right like lo- like God loves us so much um, that He is not going to keep us where we're at right so. You know, grace is like, hey, I love you no matter what. But truth is like, I love you so much that I'm going to tell you the truth, right? Um, and so, you know, it, I, I want to be surrounded by men like that, by the way. that That's what Champion Builders, you know, my, my coaching program is all about, is surrounding and being around men who want to do life at the next level, that, that want to live what I like to call the champion life, right? It's abundance, it's freedom, it's victory, where you're winning in every single area like your dad instilled in you. What a great quality to have a dad. You know, I didn't have that, but what a great quality where it's like, hey, son, no matter what you do, I believe in you and you're meant to win, right? Like you're meant to be your best in every single area as a husband, as a father, as a leader in business, you know, how you you serve at your church, how you show up in your community. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like, what a great quality. So so I think for me, that's just something I've adapted into everything in my life where, you know, if somebody's willing to do the work and I let them know that it's okay to fail, that's just my expectation is that when we cover, you know, when we get a clear vision and then we create the strategies to, to make that vision become a reality. We, you know, we break down that vision and the goals and then we create the right strategies. Now, all I expect you to do is, is just go and put in the work and, and understand that you are going to fail. You are going to mess up. So, so I'll give grace there when they mess up, right? You know, I'll give truth there to say, well, you did this and we could have done that. And even in my own life, but where we go, where we enable people, it's like, we, we need to empower them not enable them. Enabling is where we just let them get away with, you know, not doing the work. Oh, well, I tried. Well, trying is about the lowest form of effort. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you've ever, yeah. you know, maybe invited somebody to something, they said, oh, well, I'll try. Well, you already kind of know they're not serious, right? You know, so so I think it's just a matter of, uh, for me, I love people uh, to a point where I've had to grow in this. And my wife has really challenged me in this, by the way, to, to not enable people, you know, to not be codependent, to not let people stay where they're at, to love them enough to give them grace, but also give them truth. And eventually, you know, you have to make a decision. Sometimes I've had to, I've had to leave people behind, unfortunately, but that's also a part of life, right? You know, if you're an entrepreneur on here or, or, you know, you've got certain friends, you may have to leave those friends behind to go to the next level. And that's just, it's part of life. Yeah. I struggle with that idea. And some of my friends are very quick to say, oh, well, as you, as your business grows, you're going to leave friends behind. And you know, those people that were, you, you were friends with when you were younger, uh, they're not going to be your friends as you're making more money and having more success in business. And, you know, I, I think as long as those people uh, want to improve themselves, like I want to be friends with them forever. You know, if, if I have a friend of mine who we've been friends since we were two years old, Oof. I can't get that again. You know, if I yeah. ever stop being friends with him, I can never get another friend that I've known since I was two. That doesn't work. Like I got right. one. <laughs> so if yeah. we're ever not friends, I'm done. I no longer have any friends that I've known that long or anywhere close to it. And the idea that like he and I would stop being friends simply because we're in different socioeconomic circles, I think that's of the devil. Like that is, um, and I know that's not what you were saying. That's not what you were saying at all, Kurt, but that a lot of people do say that. Like the idea that money, that money and, and power would be the reason that I can't maintain a relationship with this person. Would I treat my brother that way? You know, if, if I decide to be a business owner and my brother decides to be a science teacher in middle school, like, am I going to not hang out with my brother because, oh, he's just not growing? Sure. Like, he could be a science teacher and still be growing. He, you know, he doesn't have to be growing financially to sure. be focused on being becoming a better person. Um, and as long as those people are, are moving toward Christ and, and not even necessarily everyone is going to do it in an explicit way. You know, I've got friends who 
I know for sure moving closer to Christ, um, they probably don't even, wouldn't even call themselves a Christian. They're, they're becoming more Christ-like in their life. Um, and they're not fully on board with the idea of Christianity or religion for whatever reason. Hey man, I still love you. We're still going to be, we're still going to be buddies. Um, but yeah, if somebody's going the opposite way, if they're falling into more and more into their earthly desires and they're allowing sin to become more and more a major component of their life, then yeah, maybe you do have to, to leave them behind. But I, for one, as a friend, as a son and as a brother and as an employer, I want to know that if I've left someone behind, so to speak, that I did everything that I could within my capacity as a leader and as a friend and as a son and as a brother to to give them at every opportunity and not go that way. Yeah. No, it, it, walk away. It's like an, it's an energy. It's an attitude, right? You know, like, you, you know, um, when people, uh, are committed, you know, and they want to grow, they want to learn, they want to put in the effort and the work. And, um, especially like what you said about, you know, the, 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 the money thing, like I want to be financially blessed. Uh, because I love to give, I, I love to, you know, not only tie, but I, I want to pick up the check, right? You know, like I want to say, Hey guys, we're going to go do this. And I don't want that person that maybe they're not doing as well financially to be like, man, I can't have that experience because I don't have the money. It's like, Hey, don't worry about it. Like I got it. You know what I mean? And, and that doesn't make you any less, you know what I mean? You know, or, and it certainly doesn't make me any more, right? Like I always say, I talk about this in my book that money just makes you more of who you are. If you're a jerk, you're just going to be a jerk with money, right? But if you're a giver and you know and you want to, you know, bless people and I love one of the scriptures where it says that, you know, we should actually utilize our money uh, you know, for, I forget the the exact scripture, but it's basically saying we should use our money to gain friends, you know, and to gain influence. Uh, you know, because there is this thing in in the world that we live in where if you've got money, you're more influential, right? You know, like for some reason, you know, hey, if, you know, I can, you know, why does a 20-year-old kid go out every every influencer and what do they do? They rent a Lamborghini for a day, right? You know, so that they can pose next to it because they want the status that they think the Lamborghini is going to give them, you know, where it's like, you know, so so that whole money thing, especially you being in, in you know, having a wealth, you know, strategy business, you know, it's like, man, if we can, earn money. You know, I, I always say three things, you know, I, I believe that God, I actually just, my Bible study this morning was Deuteronomy eight eighteen. It's for the Lord, our God gives us the ability to create wealth. So if he's given me the ability to create it, I want to go make as much as I can. Cause that also reflects in the business world, the amount of people that I've helped and value that I've created and people that I've served. Right. You know, so it's, yeah. I like to make it and then I need to manage it. Well, I need to be a great steward of it. And then the last component is I need to multiply it, like because that's a that's a treasure, right? You know, that's something that you know when we talk about the parable of the talents. So, um, so that's just for me. You know, I, I love to create experiences, and I love to um, invest in my coaching program. You know, one one of the things that's nice about having money is sometimes when you have people that don't maybe have as much. I have some young guys that I mentor in my in my men's group that they'll probably never, at least for a while. Uh, have the money to afford my services uh, and what I do coaching wise, but that's okay because I can give to them without thinking about the money, right? Like I can just pour into them and and be there for them to watch them and help them grow, uh, which to me is, you know, man, like that's incredible when you see, you know, a young man, um, not to ramble on, I have one young guy who's in his early 20s who leaves his job at 4 a, at, at, goes in at 3, 3, 4 in the morning and cleared with his boss to get off for an hour and a half to come to our leadership Bible study every Wednesday from 6 to 7 a.m., you know, just so he can learn, just so he can grow, just so he can be in an, in an environment of excellence so that he can get better. And, man, it's been so cool to watch this young man grow over the last two or three months, Sanger, like, just so awesome, man. I'm like, dude... Like you're gonna be something, man. So so anyhow, yeah, that's it's been great. pretty cool. I think uh, money, you know, a lot of people get the Bible confused, the Bible's perspective on money confused. They say, um, oh, money is the root of all evil. Bible does not say that. Bible says the love of money 
is the root of all evil. And so you can certainly have money and, and be a good Christian and have money and be Christ-like. Money is a tool. It is an amoral tool. It's not good and it's not bad. I said amoral, not immoral. Yep. Money is is just a thing. Money, money is a thing. And you can apply it or doing good and apply it to, to doing evil. Yep. So if you are committed to doing good, I want you to have more of the tool that you can use to implement that good, right? It's hard yep. to help the poor if you, you ain't got no money. <laughs> You're pretty limited on can't what even you help can yourself. do. Yeah. yeah. If you can't, if you don't have enough money, certainly if you don't have enough money for yourself, you're going to be really, um, really tested on your ability to help the poor. So money is to, to want to have more money is, is fine, uh, to desire money, but to want money for money's sake or to want money for the things that it can do for me, um, that that's where it gets dangerous. Say I want more money so I can, um, you know, cause my, I know my buddy's got 10 million and if I can get to 11, that'd be real good. Or I want, want more money so I can get that vacation home or whatever. It's got to be coupled with, um, with virtue. And if it is coupled with virtue, that that's a great thing. Yeah. Purpose driven, man. Right. You know, I, I, uh, my pastor told me years ago and I, and I really try to live by this every day is chase the mission, not the money. That, you know, whatever the gifts are that God gave you. And, you know, for me, it's to love and encourage and empower people to be the champion that he created them to be. So everything I do, I'm always trying to do it with with excellence. Uh, and that comes from Colossians 3.23. Um, but it's like, hey, if I can do everything with great energy and enthusiasm and encouragement, and I'm serving people, I'm helping people, and I found a way to take my skill set into the marketplace, whether that's working with gym owners or, or coaching men. It's like, hey, I should want to make as much money as I can, right? You know, because I, I had one guy that was like, hey, I just set my goals based upon how much I want to give. So it's like, hey, if I want to give, you know, this much, well, then I know that here's my income goal, right? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, uh, Tony Robbins wrote a book called Money Master the Game. And, you know, and there's some principles in there that maybe some people agree with and some people don't know different than Dave Ramsey. Don't you know, I mean, there's a lot of different principles out there, but I think what we can all agree upon, you know what I mean, is like what you just said, that it really, it's neutral, you know? I mean, it's, it's not good, it's not bad. I mean, you know, it's even, there's a lot of bad people that make a lot of money, right? You know what I mean? I mean, look at the, the, the sex industry and the porn industry and the drugs and all those different things where there's a lot of people running around. So my mindset is like, why would, why would God not want to give that money to put it in the hands of the right people? You know? Right. And so, uh, no, that's a, that's a good perspective, man. Yeah. What are, what are some of the most compelling stories of your clients and how they've changed their approach and their mindset on money? Yeah. On money. Yeah. Man, I would say, you know, one of the things that I believe, you know, when I coach men um, that they lack the most of is just a vision, right? You know, like many times they're they're just thinking too small. And a lot of that may have, you know, come from where they grew up. It may be, it come from their life experiences, you know? And so I think one of the first things that we look at, you know, and, and especially as you work with entrepreneurs, that's typically the first, you know, thing, the priority, if you will, that most people uh, are are trying to accomplish is making more money, right? You know, that was certainly me years ago, uh, where my life was all out of whack, you know, because I was chasing money and trying to make money, 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 and 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 in the point where I didn't have my faith, my marriage was struggling, my kids really didn't, you know, I wasn't the best dad, you know what I mean? I was very just, um you know, just, just, uh, unfulfilled, right. Frustrated. Nothing was ever good enough, you know, type of deal. And so I think, you know, when it comes to money, uh, that's typically the first goal or, or one of the biggest goals that, uh, people will reach out that they want to accomplish. And I always say that you should, you know, sell people what they want, but give them what they need. So it's like, Hey, I can help you make more money. But in the process of helping you make more money, 
I'm going to really give you what you need, which is I'm going to teach you how to create the right priorities, right? You know, so it's like, so then that way as you make more money, you know, uh, like Tony Robbins says, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. The worst thing that I think we could ever accomplish in life, especially, um, you know, as a man, is that we would make all this money and that we would end up divorced and our kids wouldn't know who we were and we were miserable, we were out of shape, you know, overweight, you know, no energy, stressed, whatever. Uh, so I think it's when it comes to money, I think probably one of the biggest things that I've seen that that drives me when I'm when I'm helping guys is to really help them create a clear path there where getting a new vision, not just a new vision for where they want to be at financially, but a new vision for who they desire to be as a person. How do they want to operate? I, I like to call it a covenant. Like I like to help a man create a new covenant for his life where he decides this is who I now am. This is who I am. It, you know, I, I don't weigh this anymore. I weigh this, right? Because now I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm not this kind of husband who's never there. He's never present. But I'm a husband who prays for my wife yeah. daily. And you know, the, those types of things. And then when it comes to the business, it's let's chase the mission, not the money. Let's not worry about how much money you're going to make. I think you need to set that goal. But it's more yeah, of and the mission cannot be about money. No, <laughs> the mission can't be. We want to be making a million dollars a year or whatever it is. Um, yeah. There's a reason that you want to be making a million. There's something more important than the million that the million represents. And it's your ability to do this. We can help this many people if we're making this much money. And that, then it's about the people you're helping, not about the money you make. I 100% agree Bert, that vision is the biggest thing that people miss when it comes to their money mindset. So we've developed five key decisions that you must make to transform wealth to significance. And so for us, the five key decisions, the very first one is decide who you are because it starts with making an active choice to pursue a clear vision for your life. It's not setting goals. It's no. not developing a strategy. It's not where do I put the money? It's not determining how much money I need so that I can do this other thing. It's who am I going to become? Who do I want to be? And I'm going to actively decide that. And when people don't do that, they run the risk of setting the wrong goal. They run the risk of choosing the wrong path to achieve the wrong goal. <laughs> um, yep. Or leaving key components of who they can become off of their plan and mm. not actively pursuing it. So it could be as simple as, and people, people are often shocked when I share this with them, if you want to become a better husband, that's a part of your financial plan. Wait, wait a second. What do you mean? You know, so I, I, you said right now, I'm not very present. I'm not being a leader of my family. I'm not the Godhead and the Christ-like image in my household. I want to become, instead of the absent father, I want to be the husband who prays for his wife. That needs to be part of your financial plan. Why? I can't buy prayer tokens. Yep. You know, I can't save money into my prater fund. No, but you can specifically allocate money to to the extent that money is a tool that can provide you more of what you want in life. Money can help you become more of that father, more of that husband. Okay, well, maybe that's, I need to set money aside for date night, put it in the budget. Maybe it's, we need to plan purposeful family vacations that are centered around uh, creating a shared experience so we can get to know each other better. Um, maybe it's, I want to make sure that, the, you know, the the counseling that we do together is never, ever something that we're willing to, to stop spending money on. It can be a small commitment as far as dollars are concerned. Sure. It deserves an equal place in the considerations that you make for your finances. Yeah. No, Especially when it gets to big decisions, right? Okay, maybe I'll take that promotion and we'll move to Cincinnati. Okay, well, you're going to now have to commute an hour and a half to work, right? Is that going to make it easier or harder to be the father that you want to be, to be the husband that you want to be? Um, okay, well, I'm going to take this job, but it's a really super high stress job. Am I going to be able to come back and, and be present with my wife? And it doesn't always manifest itself into dollars and cents and how you invest or how you don't invest or 
whether you buy stocks or bonds or IRAs or four, it's not always that, but it's about making it conscious. And because just like if you, if I would imagine that part of your motivation to stay fit is the way that you want to show up for your wife and your kids. Absolutely. Yeah. Now somebody else might go, how does your physical fitness relate to your role as a husband and father? You know, because if I can bench 225, am I a better husband? No, but that's actually really good information to know that the reason that I want to stay fit is so I'm a better husband and father. So if, whereas if the goal was I want to bench 225, I got to spend like 15 hours a week in the gym to hit this mark. Yeah. And I'm not going to see my kids. That's probably the wrong fitness goal. (laughs) The fitness goal is I want to be a good example for my kids so that they develop healthy habits. I want to have energy so I can spend time with my wife. Oh, okay. Well, then whatever training plan I decide is going to be motivated by that, not this self-serving, I like the way I look in the mirror goal. Yeah. Now, you know, in, in you know, when I have my five Fs that I live by, right, you know, faith, fitness, family, finances, and fun. Uh, first of all, I normally only had the four Fs for the longest time. And I added fun years ago because like I was saying earlier, like I was that guy where nothing was ever good enough. You know, here I am, yeah. I'm, I'm making great money, you know, living in a nice home, got a beautiful wife, healthy kids, drive a nice vehicle, all the stuff that we kind of shoot for, right, in life that we think is success. But yet I'm unfulfilled, I'm frustrated, nothing's ever good enough. So I'm like, dude, I got to have more fun in my life. And I talk about this chapter in my book where I went through mercury poisoning. Um, and and that's really when I begin to understand like health as a major priority. I always worked out. I always kind of ate good. Um, but there were certain things that I needed to start learning about like really going next level. But when people ask me sometimes, Kurt, you know, why do you have fitness in front of family? Isn't that backwards? Like, shouldn't it be faith and then family? A lot of people have it in that order. And, and I always say, well, think about it. Like if you don't take care of you, Who's going to take care of your family? Like if you own a business and you're the the primary provider for your family, you're the protector, right? You know, you're all these things. Well, if you don't take care of you and you don't have not only your physical fitness, you know, where you're healthy and you're you're vibrant and you have the energy to do the things that you need to do, but you also, you know, have the mental mindset, you have the emotional health, you know, and then the physical, like that, that's got to come first, right? So those are things for me, you know, Sanger, that every single morning, I'm a 5 a.m. guy, um, you know, where those things are taken care of, you know, in my first quarter of my day, as I like to say, from five to nine, so that, so that now, no matter what happens in my day, if the kids need this or this business obligation or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's already done. And, and, and I believe in that, that create, you know, time like you said, for an investment, uh, you know, first and invest in the things that are like, we all know ROI return on investment, but I always say return on time investment, ROTI, because there's certain things as an entrepreneur, like I don't want to do right. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the cool thing is in business, you can hire other people to do things that you don't want to do, but you can't hire somebody to love your wife. You can't hire somebody to pray for your wife. You can't hire somebody to go to the gym and work out for you. You can't hire somebody to go watch your son's basketball game, right? Like those are things that you got to prioritize in being your best, taking care of your health and, you know, things of that nature. Yeah, 100%. Um, there are so many things in life that we, we can't uh, outsource. <laughs> a lot of things in a, in a business that you can't outsource, but you can't outsource you. You can't outsource the unique role that you play and the unique vision that God has for your life. It's, it's so true, man. Yep. Now, trust me, I'm a very systems guy. I try to outsource as much as I possibly can. You know, I don't, you know, uh, when people ask, I'm like, I don't mow my grass. Uh, we have our our groceries delivered right to our doorstep. You know, I mean, there's a lot, there's a yeah. lot of things that that, that we do. Um, but as you grow and you you hit new income levels, you start to realize your time. And I have this thing that I say that I do do more of what I love, less of what I tolerate and none of what I hate, you know? So as you yeah. grow, you begin to start, you know, thinking, what are the things I really enjoy to do? Okay. I want to do more of that. Um, what are the things I don't like? 
I get I get rid of that. But uh, I actually love to work out. I actually love to pray with my wife. I actually love to to be there for my kids. You know, so that, that's it's not hard for me to do that. You know, anymore. That's good. I think fitness is a, a huge, huge important thing to share with your children to set them up on the right path. I went to uh, fight night with my church last night. We we had a boxing um, a boxing night. Nice. Two churches, our church and the church in Irving. It was like a duel between churches, and it was mostly kids boxing. Um, wow! But it was it was awesome. See these kids from uh, you know like seven years old to seventeen um, boxing, and they were all almost all of them like coached by their dad, <laughs> and wow. half of the dads didn't really know jack squat about boxing, <laughs> which made it more fun. But, you know, they're like, hey, you know, I, I think it's probably good for us to be in shape. It's good for us to be able to protect ourselves. Uh, we're going to do our best. And, you know, it was it was hardcore. It wasn't like uh, they weren't pillow fighting, you know. They weren't, wow. they were, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't softened up. Um, it wasn't reckless, but. Yeah. I just thought it was so cool that we were having a church boxing night. Yeah, that's not your typical church event. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It, it, it's not what I would have expected. Um, I don't think most churches would be would be open to that. But I was talking to the guys. I'm like, dude, we need to get like a jujitsu thing going too. We need to get like a whole deal. You know, if if part of being Part of being our best self is being spiritually healthy. Like, why not integrate physical health into the spiritual health? We're a community centered around spiritual health. We can share our effort towards physical health, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Well, before we run, Kurt, what is your last tip or your biggest tip or decision-making tip for family business owners? decision-making tip for family business hours. Um, you know, I think what I would probably, what I, where I'm learning, I, this is what I could say is, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for about the last, you know, 15, 16 years. So at 42, the greatest tip that I could give right now, because I think you know, depending on where you're at and your seasons as an entrepreneur and growing a business and stuff, you know, things change. Uh, for me, is I am um, depending more upon uh, my wife's opinion on things. You know, for the longest time, it was kind of like, this is my business or my businesses and these are the things that I do and so forth and so on. And, you know, for me at this stage of my life, um, I'm more open to um, the wisdom and the input that my wife has, you know, uh, yeah. You know, as there's a there's a saying that, you know, our wife is our suitable helper, right? You know, our easer, you know, they are a warrior to walk alongside us. And there's probably been some times where, you know, I've just, and, and let's just call it what it is, pride, right? You know, it's just pride where it's like, I got this. I, I you know, now I've been a part of masterminds and I've always had mentors and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, you know, everything is going to go back to your four walls, in your home and your marriage, <laughs> you know? And so, um, I think, you know, if you, if you have a family business, whether, you know, my brother is my business partner in my marketing and consulting company, or I know you're, you know, in business with your dad, you know, where you're going to have those decisions that are, that are made within the business. But at the end of the day, when you own a business and you're married, you know, your spouse is just as much a part of that business, you know, as your actual business yeah. partner, right? You know, so I'm really learning at this point to to go to her, and um, and one thing we've established in our marriage is not only can I get wisdom from her, but also uh, she can be just a a person to listen and understand that you know she can be that safe space in my marriage because your spouse should be the safest person that you could go to with anything, right? And say this is just what's going on. Here's the struggles. Here's you know, here's what's just going on. Right. And, you know, and you're not going to get judgment. You're not going to get complaint. You're not even going to get coaching because sometimes that's the last thing we want. Right. You know, is coaching. Uh, but just a person that we can go to and say, here's what it is. 
And uh, so that's one thing that I feel like I'm working on right now. And I would encourage family businesses to do is if you're in a business, whether it's yourself, if you're with your spouse, for sure, because my wife and I do have a business that we do together as well, is that be more open to collectively getting insight and wisdom from your spouse, especially if you are a Christian couple, especially especially if she is, you know, uh, a person who is aligned with with Christ and she's praying on a daily basis as well, right? Because sometimes there's going to be some golden nuggets that she could give you uh, that yeah. you probably wouldn't have got by yourself. So, so right now in this season of my life, that is a thing that's huge for me right now. Thanks for being here, Kurt. Author of the Champion Life Playbook. Where can people get a copy of the book and connect with the work that you're doing? Yeah, yeah. You can find me on all the major, you know, social media platforms. I'm on everything from Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, but uh, you can go to KurtDTucker.com. That's my website, www.KurtD is in Douglas tucker.com my books there my podcast is there uh all about uh everything we do with champion builders and uh a lot of other stuff so there and then on facebook instagram and all that good stuff cool thanks again kurt hey man it's been awesome thank you so much and wish you the best of luck as well brother appreciate you having me on today my biggest takeaway came when i asked kurt what mindsets hold his clients back when it comes to their money and he said biggest problem that his clients face is not having a clear vision for themselves and that made me think of our first key decision which is to decide who you are vision is supremely important often overlooked yet it's still the very first thing that you've got to do to achieve your full potential you just made a great decision to listen to this episode of decidedly Make another great decision and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your support. It helps others find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. For more daily decision-making insights, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at decidedlypodcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.